This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It doesn't sound like anything in her discography. It doesn't match. Like if you just played it, you might guess that it's after Hounds of Love, but it could be before. But it also doesn't sound like anything on either album. It's, it's the poppiest thing she's ever written, that's for sure. Um, part of it was because of its uniqueness, but also just like, it's a straight pop song with Kate. Because remember I talked about like the ninth wave that I can't listen to songs out of the ninth wave. If I want to listen to a song in the ninth wave, I just listen to the ninth wave. And a lot of, most of her songs are like that. Like I don't play them over and over. Be Kind of My Mistakes is the first song that I put on repeat like five and six times. Like, I just can't get enough of it. Like, I, I just am in love with that song. I always have been since I first heard it. Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and this week we're going to be talking about a soundtrack song. Ooh, also a soundtrack song. This is from a movie that came out in the UK in 1986 and then had a US release a year later in 1987. It was a movie that starred Oliver Reed and Amanda Donahoe, and our lovely Kate Bush did the song for the soundtrack and this plays over the beginning credits. We're talking about Be Kind to My Mistakes. Our guest this week is none other than longtime Kate fan Daniel Thomas. Daniel Thomas has contributed quite a bit to the show. He was last on the show to talk about Waking the Witch. He also wrote some essays comparing the songs from the first side of the Dreaming to songs from Boys for Pele from Tori Amos in the Dreaming season. And he was also, I think the very first time he was on was way back in season two, talking about Symphony in Blue. Well, this week he's going to be talking about his favorite Kate Bush song, which is Be Kind to My Mistakes. So I first heard of Daniel Thomas on a different podcast where he cited this as his favorite Kate Bush song. And so naturally when I hear these things, I kind of like, ooh, who are you? Would you like to be on the show? But also more than that, then he cited this as his favorite Kate Bush song because I don't, at least the impression I have, I could be wrong, that Be Kind of My Mistakes is not a song that I, that 
well, I see a lot of discussion about, which is really too bad because I can tell you this was one of the first Kate Bush songs that I listened to that went, oh my gosh, I love it. Just the 80s-ness of it. I love it. And also the song is just really good as well. So I got to talk with Daniel Thomas this week and I'm just super excited to talk to him. And so now here he is. Hi, Daniel. This is Cecily. Hi. 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 Um, can you hear me on this? Yes. Can you hear me okay as well? Uh um, I was having trouble with my phone the last couple of days about the microphone not working properly. So I'm hoping that it's fine. If, if you can hear me now, it, it should be all right. Yep. Uh, you yep. are coming in loud and clear. So yay. Okay. Oh my God. I'm so glad we got to do this. I, it Seriously? took so long to nail down, but we made it. <laughs> I know. And, and also like, the last couple of weeks, I know you've been busy because I know you you always work a, a lot of jobs and I've had a lot of stuff going on as well and, blah, and it's a holiday season and then I wanted to chat last Sunday but I was actually in Maryland <laughs> for my brother's wedding <laughs> so it was a little bit oh, hard to do that. Oh, that makes sense then why you wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like, yeah, I was... At the time, we probably would have chatted. Yeah, I was at my at my brother's wedding, and I was slightly tipsy because you know free wine and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> of course. Okay, so with Kate, yes, I have never seen uh, Castaway. I know nothing about it. As much as I've looked it up, I never remember what it's about. I don't know. I know zero about how she got involved to write a song. So, uh, like, for a movie. I, I don't know any backstory about Be Kind of My Mistakes. And I think, I was thinking about this before you called, I think talking about Pull Out the Pin at length made me realize I think it surpassed Be Kind of My Mistakes. I think I would have to say Pull Out the Pin became solidly my number one Kate song ever. Really? Yeah, I think realizing how much I loved it and how much I talked about it. And when I listened back to what I was saying about it, I thought this was a bigger foundation for me than behind of my mistakes was. And I think it surpassed it. I think pull out the pin is now my favorite after talking about it. Mm -hmm. But, and now I'm curious, especially because when, when I heard you on, um, Tor, I guess it would have been Tour All Night, or it was the other offshoot show of the of uh, Tour All Night. night. Yeah. yeah, okay, what it was Tour All Night. Because I remember you were, they talked with you after uh, one of the West Coast shows for Tori, and you had said, oh, yeah, that this was that this was your favorite song. So I'm curious, like, even though it's no longer your absolute favorite, what did make it your favorite for a long time? Because I've got my own personal connection to the song, but I'm curious, like, for you, how, like, what made it an absolute favorite? It doesn't sound like anything in her discography. It doesn't match. Like, if you just played it, you might guess that it's after Hounds of Love, but it could be before. But it also doesn't sound like anything on either album. It's it's the poppiest thing she's ever written, that's for sure. Um, part of it was because of its uniqueness, but also just, like, it's a straight pop song with Kate. Because remember I talked about, like, the ninth wave, that I can't listen to songs out of the ninth wave? If I want to listen to a song in the ninth wave, I just listen to the ninth wave. And a lot of, most of her songs are like that. Like I don't play them over and over. Be Kind of My Mistakes is the first song that I put on repeat like five and six times. 
like I just can't get enough of it. Like I, I just am in love with that song. I always have been since I first heard it. I've and and you know I've been in love with this song as well since the first time I heard it. For me, it was listening to it on the Aspects of the Central World EP. That was how I first heard it. I was in college, so maybe... how did you get that? We should do that. So okay, we so even tell the story on there. Okay, so the way I heard how as... did you get that? So the way I heard Aspects of the Central World is that in mid two thousands, I was going to Old Dominion University. And it's in this area in uh, southeastern Virginia. And I was a radio DJ for WODU. So that was the college radio station. And at that time, I don't think it's that way anymore because they have changed the building that the uh, radio station is in. They've changed it a lot since I graduated in 2007. I feel very old. Um, But (laughs) when they used to have these bins of music and they all had stickers on them saying like the number for like recommended tracks, number three, number seven, or R-I-Y-L, recommended if you like, and then the name of like a sound-alike band or something. So within those bins, then this at this point I was, I knew kind of who Kate was, but I wasn't super into her music. She was somebody who was played a lot on flashback alternatives and I just knew about, like, I knew her name, and I was starting to get more into female songwriter, singer-songwriters. I, I was discovering Tori at about the same time as well. Mm-hmm. And in the bins, there, there was some Tori music. Um, that's actually where I, quote-unquote, borrowed a copy of from the Choir Girl <laughs> Hotel, because that was in there. And then <laughs> there was a copy of Aspects of the Sensual World in the bins it was all kind of beat up it looked like it like the cd had been played quite a bit and the jewel case was all scratched but i went oh yeah this is that kate bush chick they keep playing on flashback alternatives and so i you know quote unquote borrowed it and that's where i heard be kind to my mistakes because it was released on that now i know it was released before aspects of the sensual world so i was actually kind of trying to decide to myself where would I put this song? Because I associate it with Sensual World because of it being on Aspects of the Sensual World that came out in 1989. Mm-hmm. But this is was from a 1986 movie and was released on the soundtrack in 1987. So two years before the Sensual World album came out. So I'm putting it in with Hounds of Love. And also the song was re-released on a an expanded version of Hounds of Love in 1997 that included this as a bonus track so i'm like you know what i'm gonna put it in there with hounds of love because it's in that area of like between uh when she put out the album there was also experiment four and she was doing stuff with uh she was doing don't give up with peter gabriel and doing the song with the Mm -hmm. country the seer which oh my god i can't wait to talk about the seer because i fucking love that song and uh, (laughs) i think the the structure of this song is really interesting because it sounds like it's kind of repetitive but it's not like there are no other than that. This it is this that brings us together. That's the only part that really repeats in the song. Like the chord structure of it, it, it changes and shifts all over the place as, as most of her songs do. But it is like it is very upbeat. It is so 80s. That guitar is so 80s. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, isn't it? It's oh, 80s. but I love it. It's got that like mid 80s sound. I love I that mid 80s song sound like some people go, oh, my God, this shut up, people. I like it. <laughs> But now that that's kind of like I've loved this song. I like how poppy it is, and 
you I don't feel like you have to know the context of the song in order to understand it. It's just, oh, it's it sounds like like a nice like song about people trying to understand each other. I mean, that's a kind of a common theme with Kate. But if you know very much but it's funny that you said that you heard this on aspects of the central world because I've never even seen aspects of the central world. I've never seen that in a collectible. Like I've never held it. I've never, I've, I knew it was out there, but I've never talked to anyone that had it or have seen it. Yeah. I will, to be honest, I wish that I had snagged that album and kept it because about two years after I had my show at WODU, they cleared out everything from those bins and I wish to God that I had kept it. What a waste. <laughs> yeah, seriously. There must have been some gems in there. Oh, I know there were. There were like all sorts of promo CDs and everything that like I loved sometimes just building a radio show. I had like my couple like 12 whatever songs and then i would just pull random stuff from the bins like i have no idea what this is i'm just gonna play it because it looks like it hasn't been played since 1983 so there you go yeah so they even had there's someone out there that needs to hear this right now that would be a great uh idea for a radio show of like obscure music to show just the bin i would do that with my radio show like sometimes i'd just go like okay like I would come in right before my show and then just pull stuff out of the bins. Like, okay, we're just going to play these random things here. I did that once just, just to have fun. And it was like the weirdest kind of show because I would end up picking stuff that was like, okay, this is not my thing at all, but it was fun. And that's why I got to help this, you know, going through those bins that helped me to further discover Kate and Tori because I borrowed uh, their very well-worn promo copy of from the choir girl hotel. I didn't hear this song until, so I got into Kate in 92, at the at fall of 92. Mm-hmm. And I didn't hear this song until probably like 2000, I think. I think it was a song that I downloaded. God, I want to say it was even Napster still. I think I found someone had it and it took me a really long time to download it. And then I finally heard it and I was like, I don't get it. Like, I need a story on this song. Like, where is this from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's definitely the Fairlight, but it doesn't have the same qualities as, like, could you put it on Hounds of Love? Like, does it really fit? It really doesn't. It like, does, it, it kind of, to me, and I was listening to it today, like, on repeat as I was finishing up my notes, that to me it sounds like kind of like a cross between Experiment 4 because it's got like that, that kind of like with the guitar and everything, it, it kind of has that sound, but crossed with maybe a maybe a little bit of Big Sky in terms of the like the exuberance and the vocals. It's not as over the top as the Big Sky is. You don't have that like even though she's doing stuff at the end, you know, oh, right. But it's not. She's not like screaming at the top of her lungs like at the end of um, the Big Sky as everything's fading out. But it has that kind of poppy exuberance to it. I think if I could if I could say like what song what Kate song is related to, like musically related to Be Kind to My Mistake. I think I would say Burning Bridge. Hmm. Interesting. Bur- Burning Bridge. They seem like they come from the same place, but neither of them sound like anything else. They sound like each other, but I don't think they sound like anything else. Biggest difference, though, between this one and Burning Bridge for me, though, is that Burning Bridge, the the lyrics don't 
have a lot of weight to them. They're not, I mean, they're, they're, they're That's good, true, yeah. but they're not deep. And even she said as such, what I talked about in the episode that she wrote it as a B side. She's like, yeah, whatever. It's just like a, whatever, like lyrics, but this one, like you can dig a little, there's a little bit more meat to this. presents the new film from acclaimed director Nicholas Rogue. Gerald Kingsland and Lucy Irvine, total strangers until she answered his ad. Mr. Kingsland? And made an extraordinary commitment. Now make sure that we don't starve Lucy. To spend a year together, alone, in an island paradise. Lucy! Welcome to Chewing. I believe in our future here, together. What they discovered would be a greater challenge than either of them expected. Adios! Come on down! I promise you, I need you to dance. Oh, no! Oh, no! Oh. We need shelter! We need food! What is that, eh? What is that? Your anger. God, it frightens me. I mean, we're here on this island, alone. Nothing's changed here. Nothing's changed except you. You changed. I've seen Castaway. I watched it um, sometime last year. Oh wow! Yeah, I watched it last year. It was on YouTube somewhere because it's it's hard to find. We ha- I think we had this conversation another uh, time because didn't didn't you look through the music credits and it had been people that had worked with Kate? Um, no, that was Lady Hawk. Oh, Lady Hawk. Okay, I thought it was. Yeah. Just, okay, sorry. But but yeah. uh, you know there was like um, when I watched Lady Hawk, I, I saw like Andrew Powell and a couple other names. Like, hey, wait a minute, Andrew Powell. Hey, 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 producer. Kicking side, yeah. man. Kicking side, Lionheart, and all that. 
So this was from a movie. This was written for um, a 1986 movie called Castaway. Starred Amanda Donahoe and Oliver Reed. It was directed by uh, Nicholas Rogue and was adapted from a book from 1984 of the same name by Lucy Irvine, telling of her experiences of staying for a year with writer Gerald Kingsland on the isolated island of Tuin, which is located between New Guinea and Australia. So her so this song plays over the beginning credits. And over the beginning credits, you see this guy writing a, a personal ad, basically. He takes out an ad in a paper and saying that he wants to find somebody to stay on a desert island on a desert deserted island with just because he feels like doing it um and this young woman uh, lucy irvine responds to this advertisement they become self-imposed castaways for a year on the isolated and uninhabited island of tuin in the torres strait between new guinea and australia she was chosen by this writer from over 50 applicants. Irvine agreed to marry him to satisfy immigration restrictions before they traveled to Tuin. She was 25. Kingsland was 49. After a year, they returned home. And in 1983, she published her account of the experience in Castaway, which was later used as the basis for the film. And in 2011, Amanda Donahoe, who was the uh, actress who played Lucy Irvine in the movie, uh, recalled her experience working with Oliver Reed that, quote, well, naked on a desert island with Oliver Reed, it was a tabloid fantasy, wasn't it? He was an alcoholic and his behavior was erratic, but he was always a courteous and good actor. His personal life wasn't working, but he never crossed any lines professionally. He was an English actor born February 13th, 1938, died May 2nd, 1999. An English actor known for his upper class, middle, upper middle class macho image and Hellraiser lifestyle. So he played Bill Sykes in the movie Oliver. Um, many other movies here. He played Athos in The Three Musketeers. He was in The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which is a really surreal movie. Oh, my God. And he was also Very in much. Gladiator. <laughs> in uh, Ridley Scott's Gladiator, he played Antonius Proximo, the old gruff trainer. And so, yeah, the, the movie opens with um, the guy writing his advertisement saying he was he's looking for somebody to spend a an, an year with on a desert island and her song is playing over that it's a slightly different version than what got released on aspects of the sensual world it's a the intro is a little bit longer but otherwise like it's not too much different it's definitely her <laughs> <laughs> but she just provides mm -hmm. that song and then the rest of the soundtrack is instrumental and Stanley Myers was the composer for the rest of the song. So she just did the opening song. Uh, as far as how she came to came to do it, she actually hasn't really talked very much about it. Uh, she did say in an interview in 1990, this is from Option, she says, um, this is in reference to this song and then um, this woman's work for She's Having a Baby that we'll get, I'll get to talk about next season, that, quote, in both cases, the films were finished and they specifically wanted me to write a song for those parts of the movies. I love working with film and admire their work a lot. I was really thrilled to be asked to do that. So she, I guess, because she was chopping the charts at the time, so they probably, hey, let's ask her to write a song for this movie. And, well, we all know that Kate loves movies. 
Yeah, I, I the first exposure I had to Kate was through She's Having a Baby. Mm. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know the song. When that came, it's a part of a very dramatic part of the movie. And when it started, I, I remember sitting in the theater thinking to myself, this is a really pretty song, but I don't know why that lady sounds that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> like not having any idea that maybe four years later I'd be one of her biggest fans. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like I'd be so into her music, but it, it just was something I heard. And, and then, oh, yeah, I remember that, that song at the end. I don't really remember any details about it. There was that song at the end. That's as far as with her. It's a fitting that she's associated with movies mm-hmm. because we've talked about the cinematic nature of her um, music. So she can do that really well. She hits the points that she needs to really well. And I hadn't heard the plot line of the movie until you just read it. <laughs> and now thinking of the lyrics, because I never have associated the lyrics with the movie, um, she really got into it. It made so much sense now that mm-hmm. that's why the lyrics would be that according to the story. Um, I think though the lyrics stand alone. I don't think they uh, yes. need anything else. Like she made a complete story, I think for you know, um, for what she was doing. Mm-hmm. I love the poppiness of it. I love how 80s it sounds. Me too. Aww. Because a lot of her music, I think it's, you know, I think the early music, you could say, you can definitely tell it's from the 70s. Mm-hmm. This, this song, you can definitely tell it's from the 80s. Other music that she's written, you can't really place a time on. But this is one that you can. It's alright, we can do this together. It's fascinates me about this song is that it continues Kate's trend of doing songs from a male point of view like I cannot think of many if any other female artists who are willing to write from so many different perspectives including opposite gender perspectives that's Mm -hmm. not something that you really see a lot of like whether like men trying to write from a female perspective or, or, or women trying to do the same, like you don't really see that. And even though out of the context of the movie, like it, the narrator could just be, it doesn't have to be male or female, but if you like realize that it's from Oliver, the Oliver Reed's character's point of view, then you're like, oh, wait, she's writing something from his point of view. She's a woman, but she's putting herself in the place of a man. And it's just, it's it's really yeah. interesting. And she's allowing, she's made the guy very vulnerable. Yeah. Where, like, the, the title, you know, Be Kind to My Mistakes, is what he says to her in the movie when she tells him that, when Lucy says that she's going to write a memoir about her experience being on this island with him. And he says to her, be kind to my mistakes. Wow, that's that's wonderful. What a wonderful story to go with that song. I feel like I'm rediscovering it. 
Oh, I certainly felt like I did when I started watching the movie. I'm like, okay, well, this kind of makes a little more sense. Okay. <laughs> and the movie itself, I mean, honestly, it's is only kind of... that she could do it because mm-hmm. what she did with Wuthering Heights. And she is such inspired by film that, uh, you know, I think that everybody kind of has this impression of Kate as being somebody who's very closed off from people. But no, she's like, she gets people like knocking on her door and, hey, hey, we got this movie. Hey, you want to contribute something to it? And she's like, okay, sure. Yeah, I love movies. Like, she's always so inspired by mm-hmm. movies. I mean, yeah, Wuthering Heights and Delius. Oh, Delius. Oh, yeah. Or Night, what, what is the um, Hunt of Love movie? Oh, Night, of- uh, Night of the Demon. Night of the Demon, yeah. That one did a huge influence. Or the documentary for both then, like even even that medium. Yeah, she's always so inspired by movies and it just makes sense for her to have a song in a movie. Even though the movie didn't really wasn't like a huge hit. Um, it only made four hundred and eighty three thousand four hundred and sixty dollars at the box oh, office in nineteen eighty six. But it was a movie that people saw. <laughs> One of the interesting things about uh, Be Kind to My Mistakes is that it kind of shows what if she hadn't, uh, and I'm going to botch the name, that trio, the Bulgarian trio that she worked with. Oh, Trio Bulgarka. Bulgarka. When she heard them, that I'm sure that that shaped, that's what shaped the central world. Yes. I mean, she put them everywhere on that album. And did a wonderful job with that. But Be Kind of My Mistakes, I think, is an example of her Her music might have gone that way had she not been influenced by them. And it's kind of like the discussion about what if she hadn't met the Fairlight? Mm-hmm. What would her music sound in 1985 if she hadn't met, you know, been introduced to the Fairlight? And so it's kind of like a little capsule, like she could go this way or she could go this way. She went the trio Bulgarka way. So I, it always makes me, I'm always a little hungry for more songs that sound like Be Kind of My Mistakes because it's untouched yet by the, it was after Hounds of Love and it might've been the next project. So I'm always like, gosh, what could have been, you know, cause it's definitely the poppiest thing she's done. It's really up-tempo. It just sounds like she could have really ended the 80s in a different way than what she did, like a really quiet, you know, she came in with Never Forever, which was like a lot of drums, a lot of like high vocals, and then she kind of ended it with a really sweet and, you know, central way to go out. So it's kind of like a time capsule, I guess. It is true. Like, I, um, and I'll get into this one when I get into the central world that, at that, at this kind of period, she mentions in interviews when she, when um, the Central World came out, that she had been working on things, but it, it wasn't. She didn't quite feel like the big spark of inspiration was really there until she got a hold of the Trail Bulgarka, and then she went, "Oh, poof! Wait, hey, I've got the album done now, because <laughs> oh my gosh, I can write all these things for for them to sing on and for them to to help me with." Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it is interesting you bring that up because I do think that I agree with you that if she hadn't met the trio Bulgarka, that her next album probably would have sounded a little bit like this. Yeah, I think so. And there's there's a little bit of aspect, um, which I know you'll talk about, but on the Central World album, some of the songs have 
a poppy or like an up tempo um, beat to them. Like it, I mean, Central World doesn't sound like a lot of what she did previous. No, I think it stands out. I mean, it, we're not talking about that yet, but I think it stands out on its own as this does. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's influences there. It's just not that apparent. When you were talking about how she's able to write from a male perspective, or even like Claude Rossing, like a young child, like whether it's boy or girl, like when you can get to a child and have that level of imagination, like in cloud busting, like that takes something really special because she's a storyteller and because she wants to talk from the perspective of a character. I don't, I don't know that she thinks of presenting gender in the way that most songwriters do. Mm. I think she really takes it as a character. I don't think she takes it personally. So like, She's very sensual. She's very much a woman. She's very, you know, feminine at times. And, like, she's comfortable that way. She's comfortable in her skin. So that when she goes and she's like, okay, I have, um, this is a male character, and we're going to talk about a wife. I can do that because I understand the character. And it's kind of like she might go into it as an actor, which really changes the way that she presents the story because it's not influenced by her own feelings. It's in by the character's feelings yeah and I think that takes a lot of strength of character and identity and knowing who you are that you're not bothered by I don't think many artists have done that though the one that comes to mind immediately would be Prince I think he mm. he was able to write from both sides of female or male even in a sexual way like even talking about sexuality he could do that and present it you know without getting in the way of it and she's probably the the female part of that that I can think of but not many not many people can do that it's always about this man hurt me or this woman left me that devil woman like it's yeah. always so adversarial but it's not from the perspective of the person it's a part you know it's still like outside looking in maybe what also helps her be successful in that is that she's always very few times that she's talked about really like really earning early in her career where she was forced to do different ads and pictures. You know, there was that tiny part where the record company was like, you need to be a sex symbol and we're going to make you, you know, do these photo shoots and something that she never did again. She always did it on her own terms. And I think she didn't have any kind of, she didn't buy into anything. Like I have to be, I can't think from a male perspective because then it'll affect how people see me as a female. She didn't have that because she always did sexuality on her own terms. Mm -hmm. She always did her image on her own terms without, you know, with that little exception. So when she would go in it, it's like, I'm Kate Bush. Like I'm going to sing from this character and people know this is a character. It's just a song that I'm singing. It's just a story that I'm presenting. So my image isn't, nothing is taken away from my image or my personality because I'm singing from a male perspective. Mm-hmm. or even that I'm dressed as a boy. That always kills me. Like, can you imagine, like, when Cloud Busting was new and the video came out and they're like, have you seen the video? Yeah, she plays a little boy. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> like, yeah. it still would be unusual. You know, Annie Lennox, maybe. She's probably, uh, and Eurythmics, she might be another example of being able to write. I don't know her career as well. But I imagine that she would be a person that could probably write from both perspectives, you know, a perspective of different genders. Because mm-hmm. she's presented that. Like, you know, I remember watching Who's That Girl? I remember seeing that video 
from uh, when it was premiered and like she's dressed as a man. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazingly cool. Like, you know, Boy George was out at the time and then she did that and I was just blown away. Um, just as I am by Kate of, of what she can come up with with characters and in, in her songs. that part of this the song always fascinates me is just that if you know the the context of the of the movie that she wrote this for yeah it makes it a little bit richer but otherwise like it's it feels it to me this feels like like some of the themes that she would eventually write about on the sensual world especially like um like connections between people and trying to understand each other. I mean, she's always written about those things. I mean, come on, like running up that hill, everyone. But mm-hmm. uh, taken out of the context of the movie, if you look just at the lyrics, it to me it's about that. Like you're trying to you're trying to forge a connection with somebody, and and you know realizing that each person has their own darknesses. You know, some secrets are too dark to let out, to let go of, to let go, to hold on to. <laughs> You know, yeah, because I mean, it starts with you. Know, it is this that brings us together, which I love the way she sings that part. You know, it is oh, this yes, that's that what, that's brings right. us together. It is a tricky line to sing because she's like, you know, dee, 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 dee. I, I love the way she sings it though. Like she just like drags that part. Of, it is the, it is this that brings us together. And after that part, there's that that kind of harmony that comes in that's under the music, mm-hmm. like that, ah, that part. I always thought when I was kind of piecing her timeline together and learning her songs and everything, I thought, wouldn't that be interesting if the trio Bark Bulgarka had done that? Oh, yes. I think like it if been. they had done the backup, like that would be, that would take the song to another level. I mean... And of course, we always have to throw in if Kate had toured more, <laughs> and she had been able to do a tour with the with the trio, and put them on other songs that they weren't originally on. That song is begging for them, mm-hmm. and it's crazy because it was years before she would meet them. But it's always like this is coming, and like it's a weird thing. Like she was saying they were coming before they she even met them, mm-hmm. because they would fit, fit perfectly on that song. I, I think behind the mind, no, I think I know, I know that that has some of the, that might be one of her top five vocal arrangements of behind my mistakes, how everything flows together and how she harmonizes with herself and the way she sings the lyrics and everything. Oh my gosh. She did a phenomenal job to arrange those vocals. And that that part of the opening that you were, you were talking about, that might be. I think that's my favorite part of the song, the way that it opens. Mm-hmm. 
It it's is really Kate. strong and yeah. just like beautiful. Oh, it's very Kate. Very Kate. Yeah, I like this. It's all right, darling. We can do this together. It's all right, darling. I can think of nothing better. Like that, that feels very much like the, some of the themes to come for the sensual world. Like something like Love and Anger and some of these other songs about like, like, hey, we're, we're, we're trying to overcome things and we need, we can't do it alone. We need to do this with the two of us. Just the two of us. But then, like in the context of the movie, like I don't know you and you don't know me, because those the because the two the the Oliver Reed character and uh, Lucy Irvine they didn't know each other. They were just strangers. She just like oh okay, this guy's asking to be on a desert island. Okay, sure, I'll apply. <laughs> they didn't even know each other. Yeah, they're just I... they're on this island together, and they're going to well, and they do end up discovering each other in more ways than one. Yeah, <laughs> there's lots of nudity in the movie. <laughs> Not that I mind very much. I mean nudity, whatever. I don't know what I want, but my heart is needing. It feels like, with in the in the movie, in the, if you in the context of the movie, that's he to me at least the um, the writer. He he's like I don't know exactly what I'm looking for, but I know I just want this experience. <laughs> I just need to go do something. But then if you're out of the context, it's like, no, I, I, it could just be a general relationship thing. Yeah, I thought, I always took it as, like, she was writing from, I met you and we're dating, but this is, like, it's not serious yet, but, like, remember, like, tread lightly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't want to rush into anything, like, just give me some space, I'll give you space, like, you know, it seemed, it's... It didn't seem like a fantasy. Like so much of her music is an escape. So much of her stories are escapist. Yeah. But this is one that's really based in reality. Like people, everyone has experienced that. Where like something is, you know, you want to be cautious or you want to take things slowly. And it's like, okay, be kind to my mistakes. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. hang on, like, let's give ourselves some time to figure out and like not be offended at each other. And just, you know, work things out and get to know each other. And you're allowing the other person to, you're being vulnerable. You're like, you're admitting to this other person that you might potentially have feelings for that, hey, I'm probably going to screw up a little bit. Just don't hate me please i've always thought her music has yearning like it's always yearning for something and you know kind of looking for what was lost but i think an equal aspect to her music is vulnerability yeah and vulnerability is a really difficult thing to get out of a songwriter like you were talking about especially male typically male songwriters 
they have a hard time being vulnerable yes. in lyrics. And you don't hear it very often. And a lot of times, unfortunately, when women do it, it's like, oh, that's a sappy love song. Or it's like, you know, you're pining or something. Like, it's not taken as seriously as it should be. But with her, like, this is a very vulnerable song. And I never thought of it that way. But it's difficult to it's difficult to say, give me space mm-hmm. that puts you in a very difficult situation because at least it can feel that way because the person could say no. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to do that. Like you're facing, you're putting yourself up for rejection. You're putting yourself for someone to say, I'm good. I, I don't want to, or like you can be vulnerable, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. like, you may not get it back. And, that's like this song is really about that. Like, are you meeting me here? <laughs> like, yeah. are we both on the same page? Because we're in this together. So we both have to agree. Like, you know, we're going to be kind to each other. Yeah. I was listening to this today and I've listened to this song so much. At one point, this was one of my most played songs actually in my iTunes library, like way back, like, like five iPods ago or something like that. Back when iPods. Yeah. I'm sure I could say the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Like this was, this was up there and I never, until I really started digging into it, the song for this show, I never really, really thought about the lyrics too much, but just listening to it a little bit more prepping for this show. I can't say that be kind of my mistakes is a top 10, but it is definitely a song that has grown with me a lot. It, it's something that, you know, you, you were talking about with vulnerability. Yeah. A a lot of, I think the idea with, with a lot of songwriters and like based on some of the songwriter classes that I've been to that, they want you to have like a strong protagonist because you want the you want the listener to feel good. You want them to feel empowered. You don't want them to feel down or sad in some way because otherwise they're going to change the station. But I like it when songwriters are more vulnerable in a song like Be Kind to of My Mistakes. And you're right. It doesn't happen very often. It really doesn't. No. And it is hard to get that out of people. And like you say, especially with male songwriters, I, I can tell you, like from the songwriter groups that I'm at the heart of, I'm like, Ugh. yeah, if someone, if um, normally if a male writes about being vulnerable, it's, it's covered in anger. Yeah. Or it's covered in being defensive. Like you made me feel vulnerable. And now I hate you. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that turns into. So we don't actually talk about a space that is about being vulnerable like remaining vulnerable and asking and like dealing with something at that space. Yeah. That's just not something that, or, or if there is a song where a guy is being a little bit more vulnerable, they're like, the people go, Oh, well that's all sappy. Uh, it's this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's dismissed. <sighs> like it's dismissed as something less than, and it's like, this is a great conversation. Like, exactly. why aren't we talking about this more? We wouldn't feel so vulnerable if we all talked about how vulnerable we felt like, you know, we should, this should be in a song. This is what songs are for like shared experiences. Like it's wonderful to hear that back. I think probably my favorite part of the song is we speak of the vulnerability part that 
we'll find we'll find all we're meant to find in your life and my life there are secrets too dark to let out to let go of to get over which took me a while to really understand but the older I've gotten like this whole era with 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 this song and then the central world to come that era of her music I never super super connected with until I hit about my 30s and I'll get to talk about this with, with a lot of those sensual world songs that a lot of them I did not really, really understand until I became older and, you know, having other relationships and like mm-hmm. how hard it can be to put yourself out there and admit to somebody that, hey, I'm probably going to screw up. Like, don't hate me. Yeah. <laughs> And then I'll try not to hate you when you screw up. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, let's, like, we, we like, got to work through this together. To you and do the same thing I'm asking you to do. Like, that's, that's another part. Like, you might be able to do it. And then it's like, well, you were supposed to be, when I said this and was being vulnerable, you were supposed to say it this way. And like, you can't do that. Like, they can fumble too. They, they can be like, I don't know how to respond to you. And I feel bad. And like, can we just talk about this? Cause I don't know what I'm doing. And like, that's an okay space to be. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to not know what you're doing. Like that's human. Yeah. I can really, I can relate to that. Cause I got into, I think as you did, we got into Kate in our, well, actually I was 19 when I got into Kate. So twenties were coming, but I very much look at a lot of the songs very differently now than I did when I first heard them when I was mm-hmm. 20 or 21. And that's the mark of a great songwriter is when songs still make sense to you and you find different aspects of them. And this yeah. is certainly a song that even as time goes on, it gets better because it's so real. Like it's just expressive of something that everyone has felt at times. So now where would you put like, would you put top 20? Would be kind of your, do you ever think be top 20? Or would, would it not be in there? I would say top 20. I would put this in my top 20. It's not in the top 10, but it is definitely in the top 20. And I, I will say that I used to have the song Strange Phenomena actually in my top 20, but that has been replaced with this song. Because even though, yes, I did say, I did mention earlier that I played this song a lot and I've loved it all over. Well, I love a lot of her songs, as you guys know. <laughs> right, hence the podcast. Yeah. But this is definitely in the top 20. It's in the top 20. It really is. I like the, I like how upbeat it is, but there's there's so much meat to the lyrics. It's It's a good way of showing what's to come with uh, a little bit with the central world and some of its themes of connection and and trying to overcome whatever crap life might throw your way mm-hmm. with somebody else, realizing you can't do it alone. You know, we had talked about at length, like how Kate kind of avoids personal stuff and she just stays within characters and stories. I don't know what was going on in her life. I know she had a long-term relationship with Dell. And it was a very long time that she was with him. Yes. I don't know what was happening in her life, but it's, it feels like maybe she took this from her relationship with Dell that they had to do this and kind of recalling back, like, 
there's been moments when we've had to have to have this conversation of like, I feel like you screwed up or I did, and we have to iron this out because there's something about this song that feels that it's from a personal personal perspective also. It feels like more than just the character is feeling what she wrote. Just like the song later to come, there would be a couple of times where she talks about real real life happening. And this is maybe the beginning of I don't know I don't know why I get that feeling, but I feel like this song is it drew on something personal for her. Let's just say that. That's what it feels like. It could have or it could have been something that a friend was going through, perhaps. Yeah, it just seems like it was informed by her, like something that happened in her life somehow. I could see that. Someone did something. Yeah, it just feels that way. To the point we are now talking about her discography, I don't know how many personal moments you can see like, oh, that was. I think Sat in Your Lap stands out as talking about anxiety and, and frustration. I think that was from her personal life of being frustrated with songwriting. But there's not many places, I think, that feel like it's from not from a character's point of view and as we've talked about this before that she's that kate is not a like bleed all over bleed her heart all over the piano like kind of artist she's really not really the most personal i think that she ever really gets is to come on the red shoes because that album feels a lot more personal and dealing with like like you're the one I'm sorry that is totally like her dealing with her breakup with Dell probably or um, moments of pleasure uh, that has all of her friends who have died or people that she used to love who are just not in her life anymore or later among angels is about her dad Um, but then you know there really aren't very many like songs where you can say oh yes this was definitely something from her private life like she's like no put up the wall i'm happy that we i'm happy that's coming (laughs) it's it's such a change like you know this is this song feels like it's leaving a a space it's leaving an era because the central world certainly starts a different story yes it does it's a different trajectory you know and we're we're leaving like a big basis of what she did you know um, I'm happy we have and things after this, but when you really refer to classic Kate Bush music, that's what we've already talked about. Like she has, if if her career had ended after Hounds of Love, she would have still been as influential, mm-hmm. and she would have still accomplished so much in her career from having even just a seven or eight year old career. Like talking to the music up to this point, it's been an absolute pleasure to see that. So this is just kind of saying goodbye to that and have having a different sound, like introducing us to a different sound. Um, it's funny that it's like that because it's one of I I don't mean it in a mean way, but it's one of her most dated songs. There is no, no it question is. that it was mm-hmm. written in the mid '80s. There is absolutely no question. Like you mentioned oh, yeah. the guitar. All of the synth work, like, it is 80s. This comes with hairspray, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Hairspray all over all the Aquanet They should have have done a promo single with a can of hairspray with it. Like a free gift. Like, that would be so perfect as, like, you need this song with this hairspray. Like, that's perfect.
have enjoyed all the podcasts we've done together, but I really, I thought I really wanted to talk to you about this song because I always associate this song with you and I meeting. Really? Because you, yes, because you said, I remember you heard Tour All Night, which is like the sister podcast for Drive All Night for Tori, the Ephraim and uh, I think David do. Yep, Ephraim and David. And they were interviewing people after every show. And they interviewed me after one, after the Seattle show. And I don't remember how exactly we got onto Kate Bush, but I remember Ephraim asked me what were, I think he asked me what were some of the songs I'd like to see Tori cover. And I kind of said, like, he caught me off guard and I kind of came up with a few songs. And then he said, my favorite song is Be Kind of My Mistakes. And I said, God, that's a fantastic yes. song. I love Be Kind of My Mistakes. <laughs> but I would never think of Tori covering it. It wasn't an answer I would have given. And then I think two, two days later, maybe, I think you tweeted me or like messaged yes, me. Yes, I did. You're like, I do a podcast for Kate Bush <laughs> and I heard you on tour. And I was like, oh my God, someone's doing a Kate Bush <laughs> podcast. This is fantastic. And then when we started corresponding, I gave you a list of songs that I really wanted to talk about, and this is one of them. And so I always think of, I always think, I mean, you were hearing the whole thing, but I always think like, if someone hadn't mentioned Be Kind of My Mistakes, maybe she wouldn't have contacted me and we wouldn't have, we would have, wouldn't have been able to talk. But I always associate that song with, with our talking. Aww. So it's like our it's like our song that we hear, oh so, and we love it. we both love it so much. So oh my God, yes. this is kind of like our song. Yeah, so I'm Aww. so happy that we got to talk about it. I was just listening to the show. I think I was probably playing a video game or something when I had that episode going, and I heard Kate. I heard like the words Kate Bush, and I'm like, oh wait, wait, let me pause the game. What what are they saying about Kate? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> wait, what, 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 what? And then you say, be kind of my mistakes. I'm going. Oh my God, that is a deep cut. He must be a fan. <laughs> yeah, I was so I was so excited when you contacted me, and I started listening to to your podcast right away. And I was like, Yeah, we we should talk. And then we talked several times, you know, on the podcast and otherwise. Like we share so much so much music in common. And I thought, Yeah, this we have to talk about my mistakes, absolutely, because I associate that with us. And not everyone, you know, I'm curious to know how many people really dig this song. You know, do people know it? Do they put it in top 20? Do, you know, it's in my top five, I think. But is this a song that pops out for them? I don't know. Because I, I don't question. hear it mentioned, like, you know, rightfully so, but Hounds of Love gets most of the attention. Like, it's always the ones that, Hounds of Love is always the album that people are going to know. If they're going to know mm -hmm. any Kate music, even if it's a little bit, it's probably from Hounds of Love. I think some of the, the big fans, like they might, I hear a lot of the big fans go to The Dreaming, which I absolutely oh, yes. do. Absolutely my favorite al Kate album. But I never hear people talk about Be Kind of My Mistakes. You know, I never do either. And I wonder if some of that is because it, I mean, it actually was released in several different places, which I find the release history of this thing interesting because it, it first appeared on the soundtrack for the album, uh, or for the movie, Castaway, and they put out a promotional seven-inch single that featured the song and chemistry by Brian Eno. Uh, apparently it was only released in Germany, and then they further remixed the track for as a B-side for This Woman's Work and on Aspects of the Sensual World, which was an American-only release. 
And there's actually three different versions of this song. There's the original version, which was released on the soundtrack. There's a version that was put out on that seven inch promotional single. And then a remix version released on the B-side of This Woman's Work in 1989. The original version of Be Kind of My Mistakes has a longer intro than the 1989 remix and has a slightly different ending with more echo on the percussion. The version on the promotional seven inch single fades out while the al- where the album version on the soundtrack crossfades into track two of the album. And this is actually from the Hounds, uh, or the, the Love Hounds list here, when they were talking about the song. Note, not clearly reflected in this section is the fact that the version of Be Kind of My Mistakes on the USA CDEP Aspects of the Central World and in, on the This Woman's Work box set is severely edited and not the same version as on the Castaway soundtrack. Any Kate fan who happens across a Castaway soundtrack in any form, LP or cassette, it's highly urged to pick it up no matter what kind of shape it's in. It's the only way you'll be able to hear this glorious song in its entirety. And I have searched long wow. and hard for this soundtrack, and I have yet to find it. It's not even on YouTube. <laughs> even though, like, yeah, some fans I, have, like, I, edited... That would be, like... That would be, oh, my God. That would be, like, a needle in a haystack. I mean, I don't even... I've never heard of anyone seeing it or touching it. Me neither. <laughs> I've never heard a story of like, oh, I have a, I have the Castaway soundtrack. Look, it's on cassette. Like, I've never heard anyone that has. Even in all my that. years of I, going to pawn shops, exactly. I have never, Record ever shows, seen like, this. All, no. all of it. Uh, what was the, I think it was included in, what was that box set that it was of CDs? Wasn't it called This Woman's Work? Yeah, it was This, this Woman's had Work all box of the, set. Mm-hmm. It had all the albums up to that point. Yep. I think and up then, to Hans of Love, and then it had all the B-sides, and I think Be Kind of My Mistakes was included in that. It was. It so was that must on, be the version um, that everyone hears. It, that was, it was included on, on that as well. It was on one of the two... Uh, see one of the two CDs of rarities that had like Burning Bridge, My Leg in Love, and all the other B-sides and other non-album tracks. Uh, I think it was on the second CD. And also this was on the other sides. So the other, well, the other huh, box set released a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I always do too because honestly, yeah. I didn't, as much as a big Kate fan I am, I didn't get that box set because I already have all her albums and other rarity things, you know? I, I don't, but... Because I... I mean, yeah, I've got the original, some of the original, like, like I've got my Pounds of Love CD that's all nice and thick if you look at the sides, but I've already got it. I don't mm-hmm. need to get it again. Yeah, not not in a different thing, just to pay for having it in different packaging. That doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, it's the music that's important. Yeah, I just found that interesting that, like, it, it's had these, like, different edits and everything, and... Well, if anybody can has a copy of the one of the version from the Castaway soundtrack, feel free to email me. That would be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find it. The perks of being on a podcast, right? Just put that call out there. A crowdsourcing here. Hey, <laughs> if anyone has it, oh my God, help a girl out. <laughs> All right. Uh... 
the song. I don't really think there's. I think we've talked a lot about the song. I know. I'm surprised. It was like Waking the Witch. Like I'm surprised that we got this much out of it. I didn't expect it to go. Go because it's like a one-off thing. It's like a little pit stop. Like that's what it feels like. Yeah, because it is. It doesn't quite. I I can't imagine this on Hounds of Love. Can't quite imagine this on Central World. It's like the it's the in between. It's like we're. It's like you like you were saying. It does feel. It feels like a transition. Like we're we're kind of going into something new. We got it coming up. Not quite sure what's coming up, but um, hey, hope you hope you'll be along for the ride, man. Song is pretty straightforward, so it's not like there's all this instrumentation to talk about. No, there really isn't. I think the meat of the song is mostly in what we were talking about with the lyrics and the theme and just overall, like, somebody being, allowing them, somebody else to see them very vulnerable. Yeah, I think the showcase of, you know, which is kind of a reverse of what normally happens with Kate's music. Normally when we talk about songs, we talk mostly about the music and arrangements and what she's playing. Mm-hmm. But with this thing, I think it kind of flips because really the highlight of the song are the lyrics. It's it's the the highlight. The lyrics are the highlights of the song. It's not music this time. So that's kind of makes the song also. Like when we were talking about pull out the pin, there were music aspects that we couldn't even really talk about because we're like, well, it says that there's this in it, but I don't really hear it. Or, you know, like a lot of the voices or like the vocal things were kind of all blended in. But here, um, maybe that's a way that is showing what's coming also because on the central world and red shoes, the lyrics get even deeper. Yeah, it'll never be in a tour. <laughs> she would never like. No. She'd never include this. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I think we've talked about everything. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Look, I look. I can't think of anything we didn't cross. There's well, not really releases to talk about, like. No. Or we already did that. You already said what, how it was released. Mm-hmm. There's no video. No. Um, you already talked about the history of being in the movie. Like, yeah, I think we, I don't have anything else to add, I don't think. Oh, me neither. I don't think so. Well, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about Be Kind of My Mistakes. Another episode in the can. Yes. Yes, it's great. I know. Moving forward, have a great holiday, have a great new year. Yep. Happy holidays. And I'll be listening. Yay. Happy holidays and happy new year to you as well. Yay. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. Well, we've gone into a pretty deep dive here, no pun intended, (laughs) with this song this week for Be Kind of My Mistakes. And next week, we're going to be starting the collaborations part of the Hounds of Love season. There are going to be three episodes coming out. 
The next week is going to be talking about Do Bears with Rowan Atkinson that was done for Comic Relief in early 1986. Then we're going to have an episode about The Seer, which was a song that Kate Bush did with the Scottish band Big Country. And then we get to wrap up the season with a beautiful, beautiful song where I get to talk with my husband, Andrew Link, the resident Peter Gabriel fan, about Don't Give Up. So that's what we're going to end on. So those are going to be the next three episodes coming out. I'm going to try and have it be pretty, a pretty regular weekly here. Hopefully I won't have to take off a week or so in between songs. And then the Central World album is going to start coming out in February of 2020. So lots of things to come. But first things first, if you enjoy what I'm doing and you'd like to contribute to the show and be a special subscriber, you can go to katebush.com. You can go to patreon.com slash kate bush podcast you can also call the hotline at any time 757-349-6886 you can also email me kbcast at linkmedia.com you can find me on the web at kbcast.linkmedia.com and on twitter at strange katecast and on facebook facebook.com slash kate bush podcast lots of different ways to find me and i always love hearing from people going oh yes i remember this song what about this song and all that fun stuff And I'm going to be putting together very soon a Let the Weirdness In episode. So we're going to do a mailbag episode pretty soon. So if you'd like to contribute and all that with a phone call or an email or message or anything like that, feel free to do so at any of those spots. So I hope you all will join us next week where we're going to start the collaborations portion of the Hounds of Love season. And we're going to be talking about Do Bears with Rowan Atkinson. See everybody then. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.